privilege to be with you again and to have the opportunity to share the Word of God. I want you to turn with me to, well actually it's on the screen, I think Philippians uh, chapter 3 and um, verse 12 through 15 I want to read to you this morning. Uh, Not that I've already obtained, Paul says, all of this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I think that last verse is actually very, very pertinent because Paul is outlining this whole thing of achieving the purposes of God uh, for his life and focusing on that and doing whatever needs to be done. But in that last verse, it's, it, it, I think it's got a kind of humorous slant to it because he's saying, if you don't actually agree with me, well, God's going to sort you out, you know, because he's saying, this is the only way. This is, this is where it's at. And um, I particularly want to draw your attention to that phrase about forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Uh, Not because the past is bad, but the future is bigger and brighter. And in order to to enter into that and to, uh, you know, possess all that God intends, we can't be looking behind. We've got to forget it. The only time you and I have got is today, is now. We haven't got, tomorrow's gone, it's history. You can't change anything about it. And tomorrow is uncertain. Uh, so the only time we've got to be effective in life is now time. The reason I think this is particularly pertinent to you as a church is uh, the season that you uh, have entered into and are in. You know, in our individual lives and in the lives of churches and businesses and everything else, we go through seasons. So you have winter time when nothing much is growing, and you have spring, and, and you know, you have, how many know there's sowing and reaping? There's seed time and harvest. And I want to say to you, you're in a time, a season of harvest. You're in a season of growth. You're in a season of development as a church. And beyond that, the, how many know when you, you come under a mantle uh, in a corporate setting, it carries through into your individual life? Now, here's the deal. The effort you put in during a time of harvest has a profoundly greater return than the effort you put in during wintertime. How many know there's no point in trying to reap a harvest when when it's wintertime? Come on. Uh, But this farmer knows when it's harvest time, he puts in the effort to reap the harvest and it has a a much greater, uh, you know, effect and return uh, for the effort he puts in. And I want to, I'm prophesying to you right now, as a church, the effort you put in in this season will bring a greater return than the effort you put in in the past. I want to say to you individually, the effort you put in in your business, your marriage, your life, your finance, your health, whatever it is where you need a return, this is the season of return. This is a season of harvest. This is a season of growth and development. And, and it affects every aspect of life. And so today I want to encourage you, do not measure your future by the past. Forget the past and focus on the great thing that God 
has for you. Hallelujah. Um, uh, so we're talking about being effective, being successful in life. And a, a couple of uh, statements here that I love. Chuck Swindle said, the only trouble with success is that the formula for achieving it is the same as a formula for a nervous breakdown. And, you know, there's a bit of humor there. I don't altogether agree with that, but there's a certain element of truth in it, isn't it? That whatever we do in life, uh, you know, is going to take focus and energy and effort. And, uh, you know, it can have those challenges along the way. But I particularly like this other statement of Robert Strauss where he says, success is like wrestling a gorilla. You don't quit when you're tired. You quit when the gorilla is tired. And, uh, you know, gorillas don't get tired easy. So <laughs> there's that ongoing thing. And so I want to share three points with you this morning. The first one is this, that what comes easy won't last and what lasts won't come easy. And, um, you know, you, you just got to get a hold of that. In any arena of your life, the things that come easy will not be significant. The things that are significant, that, are, that last, the things that are, you know, uh, you put a lot of effort in. How, how many understand that? You know, whether you're talking about your career, your marriage, whatever it is, if you're going to build something great, you're going to pay a great price. It's just that simple. And Paul understood that. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, and he's talking about the other, you know, apostles and ministers of the gospel. And he says, are they servants of Christ? And he says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. So he's kind of raving, but he's wanting to make a point. He said, are they servants of Christ? Uh, I'm out of my mind to talk like this, but I am more. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. How many know, I don't know about you, there's some things I wish weren't in the Bible. Yeah. Kind of like, ooh, you know. That, uh, New King James says, uh, in labor's more abundant. And the word that Paul uses when he talks about I've worked harder is a word that's used to describe the hardest, most physical type of labor that you can imagine. And it was actually a term that was used to describe a farmer who's out plowing hardened ground in the heat of the day with a hand plow. And he's, he's totally focused. He's taking every amount of energy and focus and determination to get the job done. Uh, quite a few years ago now, I was sitting on the side of a hill with an elderly uncle of mine who farmed a property uh, about... Um, probably 30 or 40 kilometres from Mount Rupehu in the central North Island, the king country. And it's quite steep country in that whole uh, region. So a lot of his farm was quite steep. <clears throat> and we were sitting on the side of this hill looking down in the valley where he'd built his home. And um, he had broken that land in from bush. And, and so we were just kind of talking about that. And I said, so, you know, what was the process? You, you felled the, you know, cleared the bush and burned it off. And then you'd have to turn over the soil and sow the pasture, sow the grass and all of that. And he's going, yeah, yeah. So I said, so how did you turn over the soil on these hills? Did you use bullocks or horses or, or what did you use? And he said, no, no, hand plow. It's too steep. I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? And he says, well, a hand plow, you know, it's, it's like got two wheelbarrow uh, handles and a wheelbarrow wheel and it's got a single furrow plow behind the wheel and you just push it in and push it along by hand, you know. And I'm kind of going, that's insane. How many go, that's insane? I kind of go, are you you're serious? Hundreds of acres. And uh, 
And actually, that's exactly the picture that Paul is describing when he talks about the amount of effort and focus he put in in seeing his ministry being effective and fulfilling the purpose that God had given him. And, you know, when you think about that, and, and I'm sure that we, we understand, and if you've been around life for very long, you realize that whether it's your career or business or, or, or whatever it is, if you're going to do something significant, it's going to take a significant effort because things that last don't come easy and things that come easy don't last. And, and so, so it takes focus. And so attitude is incredibly important. And, and one of the things I find in tripping around you, you know, you, you bump into people that are complaining about how hard their particular role is, their particular business development or their ministry. I, I meet pastors that go, oh, you know, ministry's tough. And, and I just think that's such a sick attitude. How many know that your thing isn't hard? Because it's all hard. Come on now. It's all hard because things that are easy don't last and things that last aren't easy. So whatever you're going to do is going to take some effort, some concentration, some focus. But if you keep saying to yourself it's hard, how many know you set, it, you set yourself up for it to be hard? Because your words are creative. And so your attitude is so incredibly important. So we have to be careful that we don't end up with a wrong perception of that. Uh, John Milton he was one of the world's most recognized poets, had to sell his copyright of A Paradise Lost for only $72. Robert Louis Stevenson battled tuberculosis while he was writing many of the classics of literature. Uh, William Shakespeare held horses outside a London theater for sixpence a day while he was writing all his, you know, great uh, classics of, um, of literature and plays and all of that sort of thing. Homer struggled with blindness while he was writing Odyssey. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison. Helen Keller struggled with being deaf and blind all of her life. Handel was paralyzed on the right side. Uh, all his money was gone and his creditors were going to throw him in prison while he was writing The Messiah. So what's your problem? Come on. And the thing is about attitude. See, these guys struggling with physical ailments and uncomfortable situations, but they're focused. Because they know if they're going to do something that lasts, it's not going to be easy. And, and they, they're putting in the effort because they, they want to count, they want to achieve. And, and you have to keep your goal in mind. I love that verse in Hebrews where it talks about Jesus, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. In other words, he looked down through time to see you sitting in church today here in Rangiora. And he said, well, this period of time, time with, with suffering and shame and ridicule and, and all that it means, uh, you know, the, the prize is worth the price. And he keeps his eyes on the prize. And you and I need to be people that are focused on the prize, the outcome, the result of the effort we put in and to remember the things that come easy will not last and the things that last will not be easy. The second thing that I want to draw your attention to this morning is that change isn't by chance, it's by choice. So how many of you got some things around your life you wouldn't mind changed? <laughs> with your health, your finance, your maybe relationships, your, your business, your ministry, whatever. Well, well let me tell you, friend, it, wishful thinking ain't going to change nothing. 
And you've got, to, you've got to move beyond that because change comes by choice. It doesn't come by chance. And we're surrounded by people that just, uh, you know, all the time hoping something is going to work out. They say the height of insanity is to continue doing the same things and hope for a different return. And, uh, and you know, there's so many people, of course, just looking for a lucky break, aren't they? they they're buying lottery tickets every week and just hoping that, that you know, their numbers are going to come up and hoping something's going to work and, and all of that kind of thing. I love the statement of Michael Jordan. He says, some people want it to happen, some wish it would happen, and others make it happen. So which category do you fall into? Are you a person that just wants some change to happen? and you wish it would happen, or are you actually taking steps to align yourself with the change that you need to see happen? And and God said to Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 3, as they're going into the promised land, he said, I'll give you every place you put your foot. It's the steps of a good man, a good woman that are ordered by the Lord. It's not our dreams, our visions, the prophecies we carry around in a book and read every month. It's, you know, all of that's wonderful, but that doesn't cut it. You, you've got to align your life with it. You've got, to, you've got to take steps. God says when you start to step into it by faith and begin to believe me and take some action, I'll give you what you walk on. Come on, somebody. You've got a dream in your heart. Start walking on the thing. Start speaking to it. Start prophesying over it and start aligning your life with it and making strategic decisions. Because change does not come by chance. It comes by choice. And, and Paul, you know, in the passage, further down the passage we were reading, he said, I press toward the goal. I press toward the goal. And it means, the word he uses talking about somebody who's, who's running as hard as they can to, to finish the, the race. Or it means to pursue in an aggressive manner, to seek after eagerly, to earnestly endeavor to acquire. And so it has a sense of straining forward of putting in the effort, of being focused, because, see, Paul knew the changes he wanted to see, the, 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 the nations he wanted to touch, the, the lives he wanted to, to see impacted with the gospel. All those changes weren't going to happen by chance. They weren't going to happen by him sitting on his backside praying all day. He had to get out and make a choice and, and, and begin to walk into the thing. And how many know that if this, if this church, I believe God intends for this church to have regional impact. I really believe that. I've believed that from a long time. I, uh, from when I walked into the place, and it's not 15 years ago. I don't know how long it is, seven or eight, something like that. But, you know, sometimes you walk into a place and you just sense something in the spirit. And, and there's something here, but, 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 but see, that's not going to happen by us just sitting around and coming in here and going, praise the Lord, you know. All the, I mean, all those things are good. I'm, I'm glad you're here rather than sitting at home coughing your lungs out somewhere. But, um, but you know, uh, at the end of the day, we've got to do some things. How many know? You've got, you just got to get out there because if it's going to last, if you're going to build something significant, it's not going to come easy. And it's not going to happen by chance. It's going to happen by choice. And that brings me to the, my third point, um, which is this. I'm trying, brother. I'm trying. It is, it is capacity increase is essential. And what's essential is available. And by that, I mean this. I wonder how many of you have discovered that God always calls you to do what you can't do. 
the dream that he has given you will always be larger than your capacity. In fact, I said to the earlier service, if you're carrying a dream that's not bigger than you are, then you haven't heard from God yet. Just keep dreaming. You need to expand it, you know. Because he always wants to take us beyond our capacity. And the reason for that is very simple. If he only asked you to do what you could do, you would achieve that. And at the end of it, you would stick out your chest and say, well, look at me, look at what I've done. But see, when he calls us to do something we know we can't do, when it is achieved, and it will be achieved, when it's achieved, we have to say, look what God has done through us. He's brought us this far by his grace. He will take us on. It's not about me. It's not about my wisdom and the limitations of my life. I have to find myself in a position where I exchange my limitations for his, uh, you know, unlimited capacity. And um, the amazing thing, the thing I love is that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He doesn't call you because he thinks you're capable He calls you because you're available. He doesn't position you in this house because he thinks you have the ability to fulfill all the purposes and intentions that he has for the house. He puts you here and will use you if you will make yourself available. If you will be one of the people that rolls up their sleeves and say, this is harvest time, there's growth happening, there's development going on, I'm in. Count me in because I understand there's got to be effort put in. I'm going to be a person that's going to make the choice to be a catalyst for the change, not a passenger watching the change. I'm not sitting in the arena watching the game. I'm down in the mud and the blood playing the game. Come on. That's what, that's what yeah, you're, uh, you, you know, uh, um, I had a photo last night sent through for my wife. My wife, I got a, a grandson who's almost 21 and he's, he's very involved in one of the largest football clubs in uh, Melbourne. He, he's on the committee of the club and, and uh, you know, they were playing his, the team that he's you know, barracks for is involved with all the time, was playing the team that my wife barracks for. And so um, they play, generally they, they play every year. And last year he took, he, he took Daryl, my wife, his grandma along to the game and Daryl's team beat his team. You know, so he's going, ah, oh, you know, I'm never taking you again. You're probably sitting up in the stands, you know, praying for your team. I'm like, take her again you know but anyway they went yesterday and I got a photo of her sitting up in the stands you know and um and and with my daughter and 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 granddaughter and guess what her team won again you know so so uh so you know but the interesting thing is when you look at the stand I don't know what it's like here I I think it's pretty similar but you you look there and there's a lot of people wearing the jersey we call them a guernsey the the footy guernsey jersey you know so they're sitting up there with the they look the part but they're not on the team. They're just a spectator. And the, the, the Guernsey, the jersey, was never meant for the stands. It was meant for the arena. That's what it's for. So, so are you a spectator or are you a participator? See? see, it's your choice. You have to decide to get involved. And, and, and at the same time, we have to realize what we're called to do is beyond our capacity. So we have to position ourselves. And so that we, our, we exchange our limited capacity for the limitless capacity of God. And, you know, there are scriptures, of, I love Isaiah 40, verse 31, that talks about those that wait upon the Lord uh, will renew. It actually means exchange and renew their strength. And they rise up on wings like an eagle. 
They soar over the storms of life. They, they soar over the challenges of life. But the word that wait, it is a word that means to bind together, to twist and plait, as though taking strands of cord and plaiting them into a rope. So it's talking about people that wait upon the Lord and that understand how to plait, how to twist, how to bind their spirit together with the spirit of God so the two become one. How many know me and him, he and me? I exchange my capacity for his capacity and I begin to rise on the wings like an eagle as the storms of life come, as the challenges come and my capacity begins to rise. There is another verse that the Lord really been speaking about over the last few months in uh, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. And, you know, the word still means to let drop, to sink down, to relax, and to withdraw. I'm a pretty intense person. I, I, I get pretty focused and I made up my mind a good few years ago now that, well, I, I guess I realised that this wasn't a practice run. How many know you only get one go at this life? So I kind of, you know, pretty focused. And, and, uh, but here is saying... No, uh, be still and know that I'm God. It's like withdraw. Allowed to drop that anxiety, that pressure, that striving, that struggling. And be still and know that I'm God. This is what I've discovered, that I never find, I never discover God as God in my life and world and circumstances until I'm still. As long as I'm rushing around, trying to achieve, trying to do things. Uh, you know, the last statement I think is uh, up there on the screen says, the kingdom is more about receiving than it is about achieving. You know, when I become as a little child, I discover, Jesus said you can't enter the kingdom except you become as a little child. So when I position myself to receive, I discover the whole of the kingdom is mine. But if I'm focused on achieving, and I'm always striving and struggling and, and pushing. The things of the kingdom seem to be always out of my grasp. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here this morning? But he says, be still and know that I'm God. And I find that as I still myself, I, I get into, I was saying to the, the, the earlier service that, you know, sometimes I, I can get very intense in praying. I just kind of, looking for, I'm always looking for a breakthrough. Anybody else like that? You know, you're just praying and believing God and, and I felt the Lord say to me, Wally, why don't you just sit down and shut up? You know, am I saying don't pray? Well, well, no, I'm not. But I think there are times when you have to be still. And what I've discovered is as I, because he knows. How many know he knows all about your life? You don't have to inform him. He's fully informed. Yeah, you do have to pray because it's an expression of faith. But sometimes you've got to just be still. And just sit there, and I find that, that I, as I do that, that his presence begins to settle around me. I, feel, I often feel strangely warmed on the inside, and then he begins to talk to me about things I haven't even asked, and often things that are coming up that I'm not even aware of, and he begins to answer questions I have. 
And I discover as I sit there and wait upon him, as I entwine my spirit with his, I discover that in fact he is God in my world. He's actually in control. He's actually got the answers. And so I exchange my limited knowledge for his unlimited knowledge and wisdom and insight. And I begin to rise above the challenges and I find a new capacity. Yes, I have to work. I have to apply myself because things at last don't don't come easy and the th- you know and the, and so I've got to apply myself I've got to make choices about the changes that need but I have to recognize my limited capacity and come and access his grace his wisdom his power in my life you know in uh, Zechariah we all know the verse about uh, you know not by might or by power but by my spirit but you know the next verse goes on to say speaking, he's prophesying to Zerubbabel and, uh, and Jeshua who were rebuilding the temple. And he said to them, you not only laid the foundations, they'd laid the foundations 16 years earlier, but now they, he's, he's coming to re-inspire them to continue with the building. And he says, you're going to bring forth the capstone, which is the final covering, the final piece on the roof of the, of the temple. And he said, you'll bring it forth with shouts of grace unto it. In other words, he's saying the thing that's the final covering uh, for the temple, for the presence of God, is the grace of God. Friend, the thing that covers your life, the thing that enables you, the thing that enables us as a church to fulfill the purposes of God is when that capstone of grace is in place and you and I position ourselves to draw the grace of God, to draw His strength, to draw His wisdom and draw His enabling that we might push through into all that needs to be done. I don't know about you, but I would love to walk in here one day, you know, in, in two or three years' time and, and you're not running two services, you're running six. I go to a church where we run six, six services, two on Saturday night, two Sunday morning, two Sunday afternoon, just to roll them through. And, and that's my home church, Planet Shakers in Melbourne. And, and it's just, you know, you work your butt off, but man, you see those people getting saved, you see people moving into town, their lives change, marriages back together. I tell you what, come on somebody, it's about uh, seeing it. But you can't do it in your own strength. You've got to work like it depended on you and pray like it depends on God and allow and align ourselves, position ourselves to receive His grace and His enabling. So why don't you stand with me this morning as we draw to a close and and can I encourage you right now, just for your own life, your own circumstances, for this church, just, just sh- why don't we just shut in with the Lord for a moment? Just position yourself. Oh. I wonder how many of you that in your heart this morning would just kind of put up your hand and say, God, I know what, what last doesn't come easy. And, and I'm, I want you to count me in. I, I'm going to... I'm making a choice this morning to make a change. I'm going to be a catalyst for change. I'm not going to sit in the stands. I'm not going to be a participator, a spectator. I'm going to be a participator. I'm in. Count me in, God. And then, and then we come and just lift our hands to Him and say, God, we believe in you to enable us. We've got limited capacity, but you have unlimited capacity. You've called us to do something bigger than ourselves. There are people here with dreams in your heart for business and 
all sorts of things, different arenas of life. You, you know, much bigger than you. you. You kind of go, how on earth is ever going to happen? But you know, there's something in you, a vision and dream and possibility. Why don't you just reach out to the Lord now and say, God, just, just, I'm positioning myself. Yeah, I'll put in the effort, but I need your grace. I need your wisdom. I need the, the divine connections and encounters that will just take me to another level, that will build people around my life, that will help me outwork what you've put. Father, today, Lord, I just stand with my brothers and sisters, lift my hand to you and say, say, God, we put in the effort, Lord, we, we understand, yeah, just like Paul, you know, we, we're going, yep, we, we're up for that, but Father, we also position ourselves this morning to come and still ourselves before you, to, to wait upon you. Lord, I pray you'd give us grace that so we can walk, uh, wait in the midst of activity, so we can learn to just be still in the midst of busyness, to, to adopt that position of stillness and waiting upon you and all the rush and bustle of life that we're still in heart and spirit and your grace just flooding into us. Oh, God, all over this church, people rising on eagle's wings. They've waited on you. They've exchanged and renewed their strength and their capacity. They're lifting up and lifting up and carrying your purposes forward. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done. In this place, in Jesus' name, let there be a full outworking of your intention. In every life, in every family, every marriage, Lord, every ministry expression. Father, in Jesus' name, we call in the fullness of your purposes today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, give him some praise this morning. Come on, give him some praise. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.